Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. God's good, man. Thank you for coming today. It's so good to be in this place. It's such a good celebration, isn't it? Man, I mean, if you can't celebrate over this, something wrong with you. This is awesome. Man, thanks, thanks, Angela, for obeying God. Thanks to everybody, man, to every heart. I need my clicker. Is it up there? I'm like a, I'm so needy, aren't I? I'm just needy. All right, let's get into this. I want to continue on this line of, of the message on vision uh, before we took last week off and um, had Brother Tenney with us. And what an awesome weekend that was. Thank God for him. And we had a great time. We just posted and got that video uh, from Sunday night up online. We'll get the rest of it this week. We have a new podcast uh, station. Now, we used to be on Podomatic. Now, you need to, we're doing it on SoundCloud now. And uh, so you should get that app in your phone or whatever and then follow us and all that. And the messages will be up on SoundCloud. And, um, but we had a great weekend. I'm going to get right into this, get going here. We've been talking about vision, been uh, ministering about the purpose of vision. Proverbs 20:19, a very uh, familiar verse, where there is no vision, uh, the people perish. And, and so what we understand by that is that, uh, wow, you're not going to do that on me, are you? And uh, so I got to read it like this. I need some 12-year-old to show me how to use my iPad. It's awful, isn't it? Um, so I want, I've been talking about vision because I think it's very important to you and us collectively, corporately, and individually. And, uh, and, I, and so because where there is no vision, people perish. There's a, there's, there's a life and death aspect of this for us individually, also corporately. Because we can, we can perish corporately, uh, organizations like the church, which is a living organization or organism, I should say, has to have vision in order to, to maintain its course and not get distracted and diverted and, and so on. And I want to read you something from uh, a quote from uh, Miles Monroe, and this is so powerful and and, and so I just wanted to, to read it from, you know, from his, uh, from, from his uh, writings. And uh, Miles Monroe was a powerful uh, speaker and a pastor and a, a leader who died tragically in a plane crash uh, a couple of years ago. And, um, but he, he said this about vision. He said, any civilization... And I would, also, I would also add to that any individual, any church, any, uh, any organization that is trapped in a time warp of the past and is suffocated by the traditions of past experience and buried in the grave of the glories of past successes is doomed to die. In other words, vision is always moving you forward. And the moment you stay somewhere or decide to stick your stake in the ground and say, this is it, and you stop moving forward, you are doomed or destined to die in that place because vision is always forward and ongoing. Now, listen to what he says. Vision is the key to unlocking the gates of what was and what has been. Vision sets you free from the limitations of what your eyes can see and what your hands can feel. It's vision that makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. So that's, that's what he said. He said vision is what makes the unseen seen. That's a vision is beyond just eyesight. It's the ability to see what God is doing. Amen. So this morning, I want to I share with you, and I want to open up this in Proverbs 16, 9, and it says, in his heart, a man plans his course, 
You know, we all know this to be true. We all, we're all good planners in the sense that we're always thinking of, about our course and what we're going to do. And, and, uh, and, and we also know if something, we also are really good at uh, having backup plan. How many of you have a plan and a backup plan? How many of you have a plan B? How many of you know plan B can get you, how many of you know plan A can get you in trouble, plan B can get you in real trouble? Yeah. Moving right along, it, it is hard a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So in this, what we understand is God, God says, yeah, man plans his, he plans his course. How does a man plan his course? Hopefully he's, he's planning his, and plotting his course according to vision, according to what he has seen and something that he knows in his heart to be true and something deeper than just the, the, the surface. And so in a man's heart, we plot our path. But it, notice what it says, the Lord orders, that's what the word determines in the, in the original, in the Hebrew means it means that determined means orders or sets up. How many of you have ever made a mistake and you thought it was over only to look back later and realize God used even a mistake you made to set you up to get you to his will? See, some people have a problem with that because they think, well, God would never use a mistake. Well, I mean, how would he use anybody if he didn't come and work through the mistake to get us to our purpose? Amen. Is anybody here, did anybody here start right where you're supposed to be and never de de defer from it? Because I really need to talk to you. So most of us, we, we plan our course, and sometimes, how many of you ever made a bad decision? Well, let me ask you an easier question. How many of your spouses ever made a bad decision? Why'd your hand go up so quick? Two hands. Yeah, thank you. I've made a couple, I've made a couple bad decisions. And, and I got to watch her. And so, but I'm, I look back and I realize God even, God even, the fact that I made a bad decision did not scare God off. And it did not discourage God from keeping on chasing me. You know, when Angela, when she said, you know, she made a commitment to the Lord 10 years ago, and then she has struggled. You know, and you, you find, I find that a common testimony, don't you? We, we make a commitment, and then we struggle. We, we make, uh, we plot our path, and sometimes our path takes us down some, from dark places, some dead-end places, and, and some difficult places. I, 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 how many of you can say amen to that? And then the Lord sets us up. See, I think Angela was set up this morning. I think God's way, I don't think anybody said, hey, let's get Angela here and see if we can get her baptized. But I think God has a way of like setting you up, getting your attention, amen? Come on now, help me here because I really want you. So vision, this is what Miles was saying, vision makes the unseen visible. It makes what you didn't even expect sometimes to, to become obvious all of a sudden. You know, like I, I didn't when I got when I gave my heart to the Lord, I wasn't expecting to be a, a, a pastor. I didn't sign up for pastoring. I signed up for heaven. And and in my path, God determined. He set up my steps, and He began to put that in my path and made it and wove it into a part of my destiny. I haven't always been good at it nor been really willing at it. There's a little Jonah in me. There's a little Moses in me that says, here am I, send Aaron. <laughs> um, 
There's, there's a part of the, that I have fought. Can I, can I, am I amongst friends today? Can I tell you I have fought God in some things? I know none of y'all have. You've never fought God. But I have. Sometimes I've been like that little kid whose parents has them by the ear. And God say, come on. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I look back and I realize when God gets me to my plan and my purpose, and it's such a, how many know the purpose of God is a really good place? When you're in God's purpose, you're in God's will, it's a safe place, it's a happy place, it's a good place. And then you get there and you go, man, why did I fight God so hard? This is the best thing ever. And so the Lord, think about this. You plan your course, but the Lord's got a setup for you. Say amen, somebody. Because some of you have been thinking, here's the thing too, y'all hit, some of y'all hit a wall, and you're pulling plan B out of your pocket, and I want you to know God knows your plan B too, and your plan B is just like your plan A to him, it's just a setup to get you to his plan. Because ultimately, the Lord determines your steps. So uh, can I ask you this morning, why fight? Why just fight? So I want you to stay with me here for a little bit because this is, this is the key word here that I want to take a look at this morning in this, in this whole thing about vision. Because once you step out and you, once you finally surrender and say, okay, God, I'll go your way, the path can look kind of like this. And notice the key word in that, in Proverbs 16 there was, the Lord directs our what? Our what? Everybody say it together. Our what? Steps. Okay, let's try it one more time. The Lord directs our? Thank you. Because here's, here, for, notice he didn't say he directs us by leaps and bounds. He didn't say he directs us miraculously. He just, not that, does God do, does, is there time where God moves miraculously? Yes. Is there times where God moves you ahead by leaps and bounds? Yes. But when it comes to you and your response to God, what does God want you to do? Take the next because you can't ever get to your destination until you take the next. And so the Lord determines your. Y'all are really getting good at this. Now if we could just figure out how to get this working in our life, we'll have it made. Because if you go by leaps and bounds and you try to, because here, basically, how many of you are impatient? How many of you think if God gives you a promise today, it should be fulfilled by noon tomorrow? Come on, men. You men are the most impatient creatures on the planet. And the, and the, and the, and the thing about us is, and I, and I just think I'm one of them. I know, I'm, and I have, I'm impatient. And, you know, and the thing about it is, when, especially once I decide that I'm going somewhere, I want, I want to get there. I'm the driver that you don't like on the road. Because, because I'm that driver you don't like on the road. Because for me, I'm trying to get to this destination, and I, and I forget sometimes that, that it's, it's not just, listen, when it comes to God, listen to me, when it comes to God, God directs our, and many times the steps are more important to God than the destination. You should write that down. The steps are more important than the destination. Because if you don't learn the steps, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delighteth in his way. If you're not delighting in your way, you're not taking the right steps. Got really quiet right there. You notice how I stick those rat sandwiches in there? 
Anyway, once God gives us vision, see, this is the part of the process. Once God bursts in you his vision, his purpose, his dream for your life, God just gives you the dream. He doesn't always tell you how he's going to get you there. Once God bursts a vision in you, well, I'm, I'm trying to help some people here this morning because, because if you don't get this, you're going to be a lot frustrated in your steps because you're going to think, well, I should be over here and I should be there when God's saying, no, what you need is take this step and then wait for the instructions on the next step because look at where the road can take you. Look where that road can, it can take you. If you look at that, that you know, it's all leading to the crest of the hill, but, but the journey can take a lot of different directions and a lot of different things based on choices and based on decisions. So once God gives you the vision, he rarely tells us how you're going to get there. There's two reasons for that. Write this down. The reasons are that the journey, the process of these steps have a twofold purpose in your life. Number one, they're there to develop character in you. The character that God wants to develop in you is, is so that you look like Jesus. That you carry the very character of Jesus, which we know in Scripture are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, long-suffering. Those fruit of the Spirit are all describing the character of Jesus. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them who are called according to the purpose of God. Who love Him. And who are conformed to His image. You say, well, Pastor Mike, why is God concerned about character? Because your dream your vision, your gift will get you to your destination, but only character will keep you there. How many people, God bursts a dream in them and they get to their destination and then they lose it because they lose their character? How many leaders get into a place of great influence and a platform of great opportunity and then their character betrays them because your gift will get you in the room but character will keep you there. So the process, the steps are meant to develop character in you so you look like Jesus. Do you ever see somebody in a position of authority you wonder how in the world did they get there? You know what you're, you're looking at? Their character. And so like as believers, have you ever looked at believers and go, yeah, I know they love Jesus, but man, what a mess. Why you say, why we, because there's no character. Secondly is responsibility. God uses the steps to develop responsibility in you. I got to read this because it's in John 14, 12, and Jesus is talking, you know, and he says, he says that basically he's talking about the do part of this. So he's saying if you, if you love me, then here's, let me read it to you in John 14, 12. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me will also do the things that I do. And he will even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So I want you to look at that word, responsibility. And I want, I want to give you a new way to look at this word. Will you, will you give me an opportunity to challenge you this morning? Because some of you think you're pretty responsible in the sense that, you know, you're on time with your bills and, 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 and that's good you, because that's, that's a character thing. You're, you feel like you're responsible because you show up for work. That's good. That's a character thing. What real responsibility is is look at the two words that make up responsibility. 
They come from two words that mean response, able. How many of you know that you can pay your bills, but that doesn't mean that you're always able to respond to God when the Spirit of God prompts you Because maybe you're really diligent in that, but when the Spirit of God speaks to you, you're always fighting against God and His voice and His promptings and His alertings in your life. Because they that walk in the Spirit have to be sensitive and yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you'll fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so what God's looking for in a people is a people who are response-able. Can I tell you something? If there's an issue in your life, or there's something broken in your life, many Christians sit in church week in, week out, and the Holy Spirit is saying, Psst, if you'll listen to me, I'll help you with this. But they're not able to respond because they have refused To invite him in. Character is how you look like Jesus. Being response-able is how you act like Jesus. Or do like Jesus. Because you know what Jesus did? He always did what his father told him. Can you say that? Well, yeah, I mean, I always do what God tells me. Really? What about that person he's told you to go ask for forgiveness? You stubborn old thing. Why haven't you humbled yourself and went and asked? Well, because that's different. They hurt me. Yeah, but God's telling you go and make it right. And you're, you're resisting and not being response able and then wonder well, how come I'm not hearing from God how come everybody in worship they're up here just worshiping God and I feel so distant because you're not response able it's getting up tied up in here this morning <laughs> these are two of the most important things you'll ever face in your life is the character and responsibility. You know, if you get elevated into a position of, of authority or leadership or, or, or gr- of great opportunity and you don't have the right, if you don't have God's character and you're not responsible, do you know you will blow it? How many of you know a preacher who blew it? Had a failure, messed up? Do you, anybody, anybody, yeah. Well, if it, and you say, well, that's a, that's, yeah, but that's a preacher. Yeah, but I'm telling you, anyone, anyone, any of us, any, anyone who doesn't let this process of our steps being determined by God build into us character responsibility, then we're going to fail ultimately. So that process is called discipleship. And Matthew 10, 24, 27 talks about how God schools us or disciplines us in, in our life. And, and that's what disciple, the root, notice the root word of discipleship is being disciplined. It's staying, it's staying in, the, in the lane that God's called you and building the character and responsibility into your life. And really what it amounts to is, is that, you know, the scripture says, speaking of John the Baptist, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. So it's getting the things in me that need to get in me and getting the things out of me that need to get out of me. And that's the increase-decrease side of this, of discipleship. And this is why we need accountability. You know, this whole idea of me and Jesus got our own thing going and I don't need anybody to tell me what it's all about, that's not from God. That's not from the Bible. We need each other. Iron sharpens iron. You say, yeah, but whenever I get around people, they rub me the wrong way. Yeah, you know why that is? 
because you've got some burrs in you that need to be knocked off. No, Pastor Mike, it's them. Yeah, that burr right there, that's the first thing that's got to go. And so, <laughs> wow, Pastor Mike, are you telling me I, 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 I've got to commit myself to character and responsibility? That seems so huge. Well, but you don't have to sweat it. Guess what? God has this built into the plan he has for your life. So I, want, I, I kind of want to, let me take you on a little journey here. Go to Genesis 37, 5. I don't have time to get into the whole, the whole chapter, but I would recommend for you over this week to read Genesis 37 to 41 because it's the life of Joseph. And I want to I show you this morning, just introduce you to the principles of what I'm trying to say so you get the scriptural, uh, you get the insight into what God did for Joseph and really what he's doing for us. In Genesis 37, 5, it says, now Joseph had a dream. And what was the dream that Joseph had? That Joseph, first of all, the first dream was that uh, they were out in a field and he, his stalk stood tall, and all the other stalks came and bowed to him, all 11 others, which, to, which he had 11 brothers. Also, when you read Genesis 37, read it with this understanding. Joseph was the youngest of 12 sons. He was his daddy's favorite. He was... <laughs> he was a teenager when he had this dream. Some of his brothers were already up in their 30s. And his brothers did not like this dream. And so Joseph had a dream. And here's the problem. Joseph went and shared his full dream with his half-brothers. which probably was a little prideful on his part and not wisdom on his part because there's some things that you should just sit on and you should let God work. And, but he went and he tempted his, his uh, uh, he, he, put a, <laughs> he put his dream out there and it just flared, it caused what was already a problem because there was already dissension there among him and his brothers. And he goes out to find him one day at the instruction of his father now get it, here's a 17-year-old going to find his brothers who are in their, some of them are in their 30s to go see if they're doing all right. They know he's kind of a tattletale. In fact, you read it in Genesis, the first part of Genesis 37, he was always telling on his brothers. Don't you hate people that tell on you? Well, anyway. And so Joseph has told his brothers the dream. When they see Joseph coming from afar, they plot to kill him. And when Joseph gets up to him, Reuben steps up and says, no, 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 we, we, this is our brother. We can't kill him. He was so merciful. He was so kind. He said, let's just throw him in this pit. Like a, uh, it was like a deep pit he couldn't climb out. It was like a water cistern kind of thing. And he said, well, let's throw him in this pit. So they threw him in the pit. Then all of a sudden, some merchants came along, and they saw an opportunity. And so they took Joseph out of the pit, and they threw him, they sold him to these merchants as a slave. Now, you know the story, right, of how Joseph's life went from, you know, he, did, did Joseph have a dream? Yes, he had a dream. But notice how his steps were determined, and his, let me tell you, did God tell Joseph when he called him, hey, Joseph, I'm I'm going to make you the number two man in the, in the world. And you're going, to serve under, you're going to serve under Pharaoh. And you're going to save your people. I mean, that was the dream, essentially, that God. And, but, but Joseph, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get thrown in a pit. Joseph, you're going to be sold as a slave. Joseph, you're going to be lied against by a woman who's going to claim that you raped her. And you're going to be thrown into prison. 
And Joseph, you're going to be thrown into prison with some guys that you're going to help save, and yet those guys are going to forget even who you are and just leave you to languish there. How many of you, when, if, how many of you, if God came to you and told you that was your story, you, yeah, I'll sign up for that. I mean, I don't think too many people would sign up for the story that God has for their life if God laid it all out because it does take some interesting twists and turns, but it's all about God's building his character and his responsibility into our lives. And then when you look back, you see how faithful God is. And if you respond, if you respond the right way, God just keeps elevating and moving you closer and closer and closer. And so listen to these bullet points here. There's, these are things you need to remember about your dream. Number one, you're not ready for it at first. What if Joseph would have went right from the dream into the palace? He would have blown it because he was full of pride. He was full of himself, and he, wasn't, he didn't have the character that would have kept him there. If J Joseph had to, to grow and had to develop in his, in his, his nature, his, his character, his responsibility. So you need to remember that when God gives you a dream, you, not, you need to know you, you have just committed to a process. I hope that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Number two, you may have the destination but not the route. I know some people are so assured that I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. It's good to make plans, but I'm going to tell you something about your plans. They're all subject to God. And they're also subject to the, the, your ability to respond to God. <laughs> so you have the destination, but not the route. You, how do you get the route? You just take one step at a time and yield to God. Pray and seek God and make sure every decision is covered and submitted to God. As you humble yourself, God says he'll exalt you. Do we do that? No, many of us make our own plans and when they fail, we wonder, well, what happened here? And God's like, you didn't even ask me about this. Well, I'm asking you now. Yeah, but it's a little late. You've done messed this whole thing up. Oh, but just step aside here. Let me watch. Watch how I take your mess and turn it into a message. Because even God gives beauty for ashes. Did God, did God cause the ashes? No. God brings beauty. Wow. You have the destination, but not the route. You will be tempted to change lanes. What happens when things get bottled up? Remember I told you I'm, one, I'm that driver? I, I find it difficult to stay in my lane sometimes. I learned how to drive. Listen, I'm from Illinois. I learned how to drive on the Dan Ryan. That's why my wife drives her separate cars. And she's like, I'm not riding with you. I said, well, I'll meet you there. I learned to drive. And you know, you know how Chicago drivers drive? You know, we're zoom, zoom, turn. Slow down over here. We're, I cross four lanes in a split second. Boom, keep going. And, 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 and that person who drives, you know, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Y'all need to help me. If you're going to drive the speed limit, stay out of the left lane. Thank you for that public announcement. So you, you, you see what happens though? What's, what, is, what is the temptation when you get snarled up in traffic? You're going to change lanes. And the, what's the danger of changing lanes? There might be something in that lane that you don't see. And that God did not prescribe for that to be your lane. I, I, listen, can I just tell you something? Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Every one of us have a lane. But not very many of us stay in our lane. Most of us start out well, but before long, so we get hurt. 
some disappointment, some difficulty, some roadblock. And our first inclination is what? Change the plan. Change the plans. Hope, change the plans. I know I was going this way. You know, I was going to Chicago, but now I'm going to Springfield. Hallelujah. You know, it doesn't matter. Well, don't, I thought you was trying to get to Chicago. Yeah, but Springfield's a nice city too. No, but if God's called you to get to Chicago, then stay in your lane and get to Chicago. You will be tempted to change lanes. Can I tell you, the enemy will try to get to do everything he can to get you to even quit. Pull your road over on the, pull your car over on the side of the road, put it in park, get out. And, let's, hey, let's just walk. I can't do this anymore. So you will be tempted to change lane. It has an appointed time. Remember Habakkuk where we preached a couple weeks ago? Write the vision, make it plain so he that run may read it. Wait for it, for it has an appointed time. And so what, what, again, it has an appointed time, you have to be patient enough to wait for it. Now, wait is an inactivity. Wait, you keep taking steps into your purpose and your calling. Can I just let you in on something? Some of you have great ministry locked up inside of you that will never be able to reach its full potential until you get your marriage fixed first. You say, well, yeah, but if I, if I get to that place where, and God promotes me to that place and I get there and I don't have to, I, I, that marriage thing, man, that's so hard. Yeah. But what happens if you get there and you haven't fixed it? You say, well, it'll get better. Once we get there, I mean, all our problems will be over. No. Because there's more pressure on you as you move higher and closer to your calling and your purpose. And the pressure that comes down here that's causing a riff, if you don't get that healed here, the pressure up there will tear it to pieces. So like many of you go, I want to run my own company. Yeah, but you're not even a good employee. Wow, Pastor Mike, I can't believe you said that. I'm offended. That's another problem. Because, see, we get so easily offended when somebody speaks correction or direction into us, and we go, what's, 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 what's he, who's he think he is? I'm just somebody who's been there, done that, thought, you know, well, you know, the first question many young preachers ask, you know, when they get going, the first, the first question they ask young preachers, you know what they ask? How come I'm not in charge? You know why you're not in charge? Because you're not ready. Yeah, but I could run this. How, how could you run this when you can't even walk in, in, in submission to this? You see how serious this is? The, the, the seriousness of the walk that we have is that God is preparing us. And God is looking to create in us character and responsibility so that when we get to this place, God can, God can, we can actually enjoy it and live in it. Remember when Israel was told they were given the promised land, but God said, I'm going to give it to you little by little, lest the beasts of the field overrun it. That's how our walk with God has to be. You have to learn to live where you're at before you can enjoy the full, full benefit of everything that's in where you're at because if you can't run with the horses, or I mean, if you can't contend with, the, with men, how shall you contend with horses is what the scripture says. Are y'all with me? Did I just lose everybody? You see, what I'm saying is that if you're not faithful in a little, how can God give you much? 
And so the vision has an appointed time. Wait for it. Be faithful where you're at. Everybody worries about the promotion. Promotion comes from God. Be faithful where you're at. And the Lord will promote you. And, you know, that's when God promotes you, man, it's awesome. <laughs> I got to move on. I'm going to make everybody mad before I'm done. All right, so your number one enemy to your dream. Is it people? So let's talk about Joseph. Was Joseph's number one enemy his brothers? I don't think so. Did he have it? Were his brothers a problem? Yeah. Yeah, they were a bit of a problem. Bless their heart. But, they, but let me ask you this question. Did his brothers, could his brothers keep him from his dream? No. Was it his circumstances? Were his circumstances his problem? I'm a victim of my circumstances. Was that true? Did his circumstances keep him from his destiny? No. Did he have some pretty difficult circumstances? Prison. A pit. Was it Satan? Did Satan keep him from his destiny? No. Do you think Satan would have loved to die, die, diverted him and destroyed him? Sure. Was it God? Because a lot of people blame God. You know, they go, well, I don't, if God would have just done this, I'd be okay. Really? So now you're blaming God. Was God keeping Joseph? No, God was working for him. If God be for us, who then could be against us? But So let me ask you, what is the number one enemy to your dream? Y'all are so perceptive. It's you. You are the only one who can keep you from your dream. The devil can't do it. Circumstances can't do it. People can't do it. But every one of us have within us. Now listen to me carefully. I'm going to take five minutes and then I'm done. Within every one of us, us, ourselves, is an inner saboteur. And this inner saboteur is always speaking lies to us about our future, about our, about our life, about, about our destination, about our dream. And inside us is these, are these voices. Most of the voices come from the, from the fact that most of us were you know, have been brought up in a world where we, we had to find a way to survive our lives. And so, for example, if, if, you, were, if you were told your whole life from a little child that you're stupid and you'll never amount to anything, you have to find a way to survive that. And so what you tend to do is build up a defense system that keeps people at a distance because the people who were, many times it's the people who were closest to you that assaulted you in that way. How many of you have seen the new movie out, Imagine? So go see it. It's about a young man who wrote the song, I Can Only Imagine, number one selling gospel song of all time. He, ra he was raised with a dad who told him his whole life, You're, you'll never reach your dream. You'll never amount to anything. His dad beat him, abused him verbally, physically, and was a mean man. And it built inside of him defense mechanisms and then you see it unfold in his life. How he, how he kept people at a distance how he kept his dream at a distance because hope deferred makes the heart sick. I can, I mean, we all have, we all have these inner saboteurs. Depending, some, some of you have inner saboteurs of, 
of, of, you're just restless. You have this restlessness inside of you, and you always got to be moving. You're always overanalyzing. You're always, you can't be happy anywhere. You just got to keep going because something in you was triggered when you were young. And in this, in this way, you just, the Bible says, be content in whatever state you're in. You know, I know believers, they, they have a hard time with contentment. God can bless them with something. And you know what their next thought is? This is good, but how about this? And they have a hard time enjoying this because their mind is already over this. So anyway, you have this inner saboteur. There's, 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 uh, there's actually 10 of them that I can, I can share with you, but I'm not going to do that in the interest of time. I told you I was going to quit. But here's what happens with this inner saboteur. As you're walking through your life and you get close to your dream, the inner saboteur comes along and whispers in your ear. This is why you listen to it because, because it doesn't come in Satan's voice. It doesn't come in, in, in some outsider's voice. It comes as your voice and says, you ain't ever going to make it. You're never going to get there. Don't even do this, because if you do, you're just going to be disappointed. Don't chase after your dream, because what, hap what happens the moment you go after your dream? What's, the, what's your first night in the pit look like? Can I just let y'all in on a little secret? The pit is a part of the process. Pow! Oh, but God said I would never go through anything. No, he didn't. He said you wouldn't go through anything you couldn't get through. <laughs> well, that's not what I read it is in my Bible. Well, then you need a new Bible. And most of all, you need a new heart. Because how's this working out for you when you're in the pit? Oh, God, I didn't ask for this. And we quit. Do you know how many people I have seen sabotage their own future by listening to the lies that are being rolled in their own head? This is why the Bible says you have to be renewed in your mind. You have to recognize these inner saboteurs that are telling you lies, and you have to cast them down. You say, well, that's the devil. No, 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 no. The devil has no right, or the devil has no ability to trans, uh, trespass, that's the word, I, to trespass on what belongs to God. Would you agree to that? God, when you got saved, he wrote in blood, the blood of Jesus across your heart, no trespassing. And I'm redeemed and I'm bought with the precious blood of the lamb. You know, do you know it's not the devil's thoughts that slay me? It's my own. Remember when I shared with you a few months ago how in my mind I was ready to quit and, re and I said I was ready to retire. Do you know why I wanted to retire? Because the devil told me, you ain't going to make it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to be able to finish it. Why don't you just leave now while you can still save face? And I started listening. You know where that came from? I started getting an agreement with that. I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? I am old. This is, what, this is what the encouragement I give. I am old. I'm having a surprise party. I was thinking, my day's done. I've had my shot. My day's over. I've, I've done all I can do. I was thinking, you ain't going to make it, Mike. Just quit. I convinced myself. I set myself up. 
talked myself into that corner. And then all I needed now was a plan. And so a man makes his plan. And my plan was to walk out the steps to get out. And when I started the next step of that plan, I ended up in Florida, where my daughter lives, for a visit down there to scout out the land. And while I was in Florida, God determined my step. And he said, Mike, you are not finished. I want you to go back and refire, not retire. When I came back, I came back from that trip. I was sitting right there 235 days ago, I think. And God spoke to me and he said, Mike, I want you to seek my face. That was the next step. We called a, a morning prayer meeting the next morning and it's been rolling for 235 days. And out of that, God has given the next step and the next step. And the vision is growing and burgeoning and birthing. And I'm anything I know for a surety today that this inner saboteur that tried to stop me, sit me down, shut me up, I speak to that inner saboteur and I say it's time for you to sit down and shut up and it's time for me to rise up and go up and move up and fulfill my dream and my destiny. Can you say amen? I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. I only share that with you because there's some people here this morning you have a dream too. And the enemies convince you to give up on your dream. You don't even have to be old to give up on your dream. What if Joseph would have got in the pit and said, God, I can't do this. But he didn't. He submitted to God and he sought God. Next thing, he's in Potiphar's house. I mean, and he's living a pretty good life in Potiphar's house. He's like running the house. Because that's the thing. See, when Joseph was a prince, he had a prince heart. So when he got into Potiphar's house, he, he acted like a prince. And next thing you know, all the servants are answering to him. And even Potiphar's wife puts a move on him. And he resists because his character says, I'm not committing adultery with that woman. I'm going to be true to my master. And because he wouldn't compromise, she lied on him. And he ends up in prison. Did he get mad and quit? No. He kept walking out his purpose because he was a prince. Do you know the story? You know this story? Because he was a prince, he goes to prison. Guess what happens in prison? They put the whole prison under his charge. Because if you take a pauper and you put him in a palace, he'll turn it into a prison. But if you take a prince and you put him in prison, he'll turn it into a palace. Let me tell you something this morning. You're all called princes, princesses. You have a dream, you have a calling. Many of you have lost the vision, lost your sight, lost your way, changed your lanes, even pulled off the road and stopped here to tell you God's calling you to get back come back come back and the number one thing you're going to have to fight is that inner saboteur that says yeah but look at what look at look look at look at look at look at look at look at you said look at where I'm at now oh man I'm at Kimbro yeah man that's going to make that story really awesome yeah but look at me I I I picked up an addiction yeah and when, and when that freedom is flowing in your life, the freedom wherewith Christ made you free is going to set many others free because he that the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah, but, but, but Pastor Mike, look at, look at, look at, look at, my marriage is a mess. Yeah, it is. 
But when you open the door and invite God in to heal it, all that does is make the message much more real and powerful. Some of you, even the devil told you, you don't have a dream because, because you have went through some loss. Maybe you lost your marriage and the devil says, ain't going to happen. And your inner saboteur says, disqualified. God says, what? Didn't y'all read my word? I give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness so that I could plant you like a garden. And so in this garden, what the Holy Spirit's doing is he's rooting around and he's trying to remove all the rocks and all the junk. Say amen, somebody. Some of y'all have been thinking, well, the devil's just tormenting me. That ain't the devil tormenting you. That's God trying to get rid of the rocks in your life. God's digging around. You say, you don't know the crap I've been through. You know what, you know what, you know what crap is for? It's fertilizer. It makes things grow really good. <laughs> I'm sorry, if that offends you, get over it. I don't know. Pastor Mike, you don't still know where I'm at? Yeah, I do. I, don't, I know wherever you're at, without a vision, people perish. But a man plans his way and the Lord determines his steps. Bow your heads with me. Woo! That's some good preaching right there. <laughs> I can't wait to get the emails on this one. <laughs> oh, my inner saboteur is already at work. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Resurrect people out of their dead dreams. And Lord, where that saboteur has tried to, to destroy, under darkness, under the cover of darkness, our own heart has tried to sabotage what you're trying to do. I ask you to expose that inner saboteur. I ask you, God, to help us get control of that inner voice that's coming from our own brain telling us a negative report. You're not going to get it. You're not going to walk in the land. You're not going to receive this. God, I pray that you'll silence that voice right now and let us hear the voice of the shepherd because your sheep hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So, Father, I ask today that you draw your sheep right into your voice and let them hear, I got you, I got you, I got this, I got your plans, I got your future, I got you. So while your heads are bowed, nobody's looking around, I, I just want to know if God's speaking to you resurrecting this dream in you and silencing that inner saboteur in your life. Just raise your hand up real quick and put it down. Thank you. I just, I, 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 that's for me. Yeah, Father, I just thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Father. The Lord is just speaking to people right here throughout this place right now. He's just, he's just speaking words of comfort, words of assurance. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. My plans is to bless you and prosper you, to give you a hope and expect it in. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord determines his steps. Yeah, Lord, just speak that. Speak that into people. 
Come on, put your hand on your heart. Just invite the Lord. Say, Lord, speak to me. Come on, just say it. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.